Today is Friday, August 18th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 533 features the Ringer's Brian Barrett. And I'm Evan Valenti, and today's show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston, pick a Super Bowl winner, and get bonus bets every time that team wins. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is a new Celtics beat. We are sitting here in uh, mid to late August. We're still in that mid window, but uh, whereas we had Sean Grandy on with us last week and one of the ongoing themes of that show was when the hell is the NBA going to drop the schedule? We've got the schedule. We can now announce for you all of the key dates and we'll do that in just a little bit. Adam Kaufman and Valenti. We are here. In fact, we were just together in person. More on that in a moment. Brian Barrett, how are you, man? What's going on, guys? How are you? Well, so I'm good. So Evan and I, uh, so I, I do this, uh, I have this annual guys weekend buddies of mine. I won't go on too long. I won't go Invisalign length on this, Evan, uh, for our listeners out there that are concerned about that. But, uh, so I, I do this trip with a bunch of buddies every year. Uh, usually there are 10 to 20 of us. We'll rent a house, go, you know, drink, grill, lawn games, all that good stuff that I hope people out there listening have a similar experience because it's a lot of fun. Good way to catch up with people. And Evan joined us for part of that time this year. And uh, it was only the second time he and I had ever been in each other's presence physically, despite hours upon hours of recording this show over the years. It was a special, uh, special occasion. And I hope the three of us, all being Syracuse bonded, can get together at some point soon. Hell yeah. I'm down. Only twice? You guys have only met twice in person? It's kind of crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, the very first time was uh, right around, uh, was it technically before I, I started doing the show yeah, or it was, we had a, it was I think somewhere around there yeah it was in yeah, march so, yeah it was 2018 so wow yeah long time ago what's the name of the joint we got wings at because those were spectacular buffs pub yeah those were excellent legendary yeah excellent i've only been back there once since too and uh you know just we're, we're giving out the uh the free pub to buffs pub because obviously they're not paying to be on this podcast but <laughs> delightful if you're in the area it's really good Really good. Yeah, I recommend- Zanis had a wing recommendation, and he was not incorrect. I'll just say that. <laughs> I just go. want to note it for the audience uh, how badly I beat you in the first game of Cornhole. I just want that. And then you were destroyed in the second game. So what's well, the there's a reason for that. You switched sides. You didn't hang with me the rest of the way. I did right. because, listen, for anyone that if if you're – it took me too long in life to realize this, but with Cornhole, it's not even about your ability. You know what it's about? Matchups. It's about yeah. matchups. You need to set yourself up with the right person and put your partner on the other side with whoever that person is. And uh, I found, I don't know if if uh, if I even like disclose this to Evan, but yeah, I was with him the first time and he, we're not with him, but like on the same side as him, we were against each other and he beat me because he has the most methodical Malcolm Brogdon-esque delivery. To yeah, I'm his, like Giannis at the free throw oh, line, baby. It's, it, it, was, it was distracting. It was like, it was, it was, it was bothersome to me. I couldn't focus because it would take him a year and a half to throw the bag. It like, it was just so mechanical and I couldn't, I, I couldn't hang with it. So I, he's right. I had to go to the other side. It's like a golf swing. You know, you gotta, re, it's all about repeating the same swing over and over and over again and get consistent results. Cough. And you would know this if you golf. I just throw, man. I just, I just. Obviously, yes. Obviously, obviously. You put any English on it? Depends. You know, throw a little side spin in there. You know, get the kind of side spin. And the boards, 
the boards we had uh a little slick one of them was real slick one of them wasn't as slick so you had to kind of get used to like the syracuse board was pretty slick that would slide yeah, syracuse a good amount. Were slick. the other ones were a little bouncy yeah so you gotta mm-hmm. play the board you know you gotta play the board barrett yeah, yeah. i feel you on that I, I suck at cornell i'm not good oh it's it's i'm i'm bad at most you know sports uh and if we're to call cornhole sport as people from the uh you know american cornhole league i think that's the Ocho, baby. which i love watching them whenever that's televised on espn the world championships is incredible uh that's that, i'm not saying i could have gone pro or anything like that what these guys do like trick shots it's unbelievable but as far as just your casual like i can hang on cornhole and but most things I cannot. So that's it's it's all it's all I've got, guys. Is really what I'm telling you. Cornhole yeah, I played is- a good one a couple of years ago. My my buddy's uh, bachelor party. We had it's basically it's like playing beer pong, but it's with like huge huge buckets, and you have like a mini basketball, and you yeah. actually like legitimately have to shoot it, which I thought was pretty cool. I never played it before. I'm like, this game is a lot of fun, except like when you hit it like in between the the buckets and it just bounces oh, it straight up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets so my, tough. But that, that game was fun. That, my buddies brought that game to our weekend, not this year, but last year. And uh I I was infuriated by it. I, I couldn't I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I there, was a place, there was a place at the Hadley Mall out near me, obviously, that had that particular setup and I went on a legendary run on my birthday. I got I was I was a buddy of mine and we're playing like three girls at the same time and Whoa. I kept Usually the I know, right? ratio. Uh, I kept yeah. sending it into further overtimes because like they would get, they'd hit a couple and then all of a sudden I'd have to like a last ditch effort uh, uh, score till you miss. Basically it just sent them all into like triple quad overtime. And then I finally beat them later on. But uh, I, again, I would, I would, I'm uh, just as annoying at that game coffin as I am at Cornell. Sure. No, I can see that. Repetition. All right. So let's get to it because I think people are, people are ready. Like most people have either fast forward, turned it off or, or just don't care. So let's move on to the Celtics. Here are your headlines. Again, the schedule's out and Chris Porzingis is never going to be healthy again until he retires. We will build on all of that. Here's what we have. Let me give you the schedule uh, highlights courtesy of, of Twitter, quite frankly, because I didn't feel like putting this together myself when all of the beat guys were out there doing it for us. Chris Forsberg, a good friend of this show wrote, uh, things that jumped out about the schedule opening at MSG and then home to host the heat is a fun first week. I do want to mention opening at MSG, which by the way is October 25th road game at the Knicks two years ago, not last year, but two years ago, the Celtics opened with the Knicks. They lost that game in double overtime. As I recall, was that the bing bong game? Uh, I remember Jalen having a huge game that game. That's all I yeah, got. Yeah, he had like 46 or something like that, but they still lost. Anyway, Marcus Smart back at the Garden February 4th, which leaves us six months to emotionally prepare, as Chris writes. You see tickets for that? Uh, so Chad Finn had tweeted out, like with people being released, that you know a lot of people can't wait to welcome Marcus back. The place, the buildings, the gardens sold out, basically. And he, he screenshotted. Uh, this is, uh, section balcony 302, row two. You know how much the cost was? 1500. 1250 for this one. Oh, okay. Oh my God. To get into the balcony to watch Marcus Smart come back. I can see Mark. I mean, if, if I wasn't going with a press pass or something like that, if I'm just like talking as Joe fan, I, I can watch Marcus on TV. 
this is this isn't exactly like Kevin Garnett coming back with with the Nets or something like you know I I know really popular longest tenured Celtic I am I am high up in 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 whatever position in the office that I hold of the Marcus Smart fan club fifteen hundred dollars I wouldn't pay fifteen hundred dollars to go to a playoff game let alone Marcus Smart coming back you think he's going to force Jalen to go left <laughs> I mean. Somebody has to learn that trick by now. Uh, two games against Ime Odoka in eight days in January. Uh, Grant Williams returns March 1st. Probably not 1500 bucks to get into the building for that one. Uh, let's see. Forsberg writes, excuse me, Team Brass and Sleep Scientists probably don't love the idea of the Celtics potentially in Vegas for the in-season tournament, then back out west for four games two weeks later. Back to uh, San Antonio, uh, San Antonio for Wemby. And OKC to usher in 2024, so lots of miles in December and January. 11 road games, another test, tough West Coast trip in March. Um, 41 home, 42 road, as he writes. So again, Heat in Boston, October 27th. Sixers in Boston, December 1st. Ime Odoka in Boston, January 13th. Wembenyama in Boston, January 17th. Marcus Smart. In Boston, February 4th. Grant Williams in Boston, March 1st. The Warriors in Boston, March 3rd. That is courtesy of uh, Jack Simone, who uh, writes for Celtics Blog. So those those are your highlights. I'm not a real big schedule release guy, like day guy. I, I don't. I don't care. Like just put the schedule on paper, and and I will look at it then. And so that's where we are at. Any huge takeaways for you, Barrett? Like, does this mean something to you? Not really. I mean, obviously, it's interesting when Smart's coming back. The EMA game, too, at home is a Saturday night, which I think I'll go to that one. And that could be a nice, fun night at the Garden. And then the other thing that sticks out to me is you have Wembenyana and Jokic in the same week, Wednesday and Friday at the Garden. That's the 17th of January and the 19th of January. And then the big stretch of the schedule that I look at, and we can get into the whole in-season tournament, whether or not you want the Celtics to win or not, because this team's played a lot over the past couple of years. But that Christmas game against the Lakers is pretty cool. 5 p.m., you get the primetime window on a Christmas Day situation against the Lakers. That's when they put their main game is 5 p.m. So that's awesome to see the Celtics and the Lakers play then. But how about the Tuesday before that you play Golden State? Then you go to, not that it's a big travel situation, but Sacramento on that Wednesday. And then you have Saturday against the Clippers, which is like, and then, of course, Christmas comes, what, Monday. That is a huge stretch of the schedule, that West Coast trip. So if you're, like, planning to go somewhere to watch the Celtics this year, like, that would be the trip that I'm making. Knock off, like, Northern California, see them play Golden State and Sacramento, then head to L.A. for a couple of games. I mean, that seems like it's going to be a really difficult stretch for the Celtics, but I think... One where if they come out of that three and one, or if they had swept it, we're going to say, okay, this looks like a team that's going to win a championship. Oh, the one thing I didn't mention too, Ev, that some people, Taylor Snow, among others, were having fun with on Twitter. Jason Tatum is going to be in Charlotte on a Monday night. That was phenomenal. That's so funny that all of them are all JT, you're going to have to play in that one, buddy. So good. Yeah, I'm with you, Kaufman, on this. I like, I only really care who's playing Christmas Day because that's like just the best day of basketball until the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, getting the five o'clock slots really great. You're going to play, you know, 41 home, 42 away. I, I, this, I'm, a, I have a very like Jokic esque approach to the schedule release. I just don't really care. You're going to play games anyway. You know, there's going right. to be certain, you try to have as many home games at the end of the season as you possibly can, just so you get the rest, you know, to travel as much. That's huge. 
I love the the fact that they're opening the season at the Garden with Miami. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but like, there's just way too much back and forth between Miami and like Miami fans and Celtics fans going on right now. It's just like, guys, it's August. Let's relax. Like, we don't have to be at each other's throats in August. Let's just enjoy the rest of our summer before uh, we get this thing rolling. Um, but yeah, like you know, the, when does Jokic come to town? When do the Warriors come to town? Like those big highlight marquee games. I what do the C's have? What thirty five national televised games this year? They're up there, somewhere in that vicinity. They're yeah. way up there. So like as we talked about with Grandy, like you know, yeah, the, Grandy will get to do these. He can do all those, and that just you know, yeah. uh, Mike unfortunately won't be able to do those. But like you know, this is a team based on the schedule, based on you know. The national TV games, talk to play on Christmas. This is a team that a lot of people expect a lot of. And that's, and that's always a good feeling being in the mix with, uh, you know, Denver and Miami and Golden State. Like they're a team that people like to watch and they're a, a team that's going to be around towards the end of the season. Um, you, know, you look at when Giannis comes in. Uh, but again, to me, it's just like you're going to play. We already know we're going to play the West teams twice. You're going to play. You know, inside your conference more than any, or inside your division more than anybody else. Like that's that, that's all I really. The tournament is a little weird wrinkle. I think there it's little. It, it's interesting that we haven't talked too much about it in terms of them yeah. playing more basketball than they normally would have to. So do you, like do you throw the tournament to to just get more rest? That's going to be interesting. I, knowing the way that this team does things, I don't think it's the way that you're not going to throw that away. But no, it's I'm curious with that tournament. But I, I think this this team is you know I think what's the over under fifty four and a half right now. Correct. Yeah. Which, by the way, I would take the under, but we can explore that in uh, in in a little bit here. So that was nice work, Kaufman. Uh, We're going to take a break from Barrett for just a second today. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off. Preseason well underway. Patriots play on Saturday, and FanDuel is giving us all the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that team wins. In the regular season, I'm going to do that one more time. Somebody's got this straight. When you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get mm-hmm. bonus bets every time that team wins in the regular season. Just pick anything in the Super Bowl. You get bonus bets for every victory, which can be used on spreads, player props, over-unders, and a bunch more. I've been giving this out for a bit. Kaufman, I think you backed me on some of this. But just off the top, Chiefs and Eagles, two teams that I would back pretty heavily just because I think they're going to win a lot of games, you can pick uh, your your flavor after that. If you think Seattle's going to take the West, or if you think this, the Niners are going to take the West, by all means, go in that direction. Well, uh, think about know. this. Like break, break down the loot for a second, because I, I think it's, what, a $5 bonus bet for every win up to 10 yeah. So if if the Chiefs like go with the quote-unquote safe pick, presume health for Mahomes and Kelsey, right. Chiefs go out and win – 10 plus games the plus doesn't matter because it's up to 10 they go out and they win 10 games that's five bucks back for every win 50 that's your bet that covers your bet so at that point you're getting a free bet on a team to win the super bowl you know that you've already wagered 50 bucks on so at plus what 300 i think for the chiefs to win the super bowl you know you got some nice coin coming your way and that's for a chalky pick never mind if you're going with someone that's you know, you, you go with the the Bills, the Bengals, the Eagles, someone that's below, you know, the the Eagle, the the Chiefs, pardon me, that are still in the upper echelon anyway, you get even better odds. So yeah, I think it's look, it's great money making opportunity. There's money to be made. There is money to be made, and you can make it at FanDuel. So visit fanduel.com slash Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fanduel.com slash Boston. Twenty one plus and present in MA. 
First online real money wager only, $10 deposit required, refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Restrictions apply. Max bonus, $50 unless specified otherwise. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Let, let's go with the in-season tournament that Barrett brought up and you built on there, Ev, because you're right. We, we've not spoken a whole lot about this since it was announced. I reserve the right to change my mind, clearly. We haven't seen it, hasn't been done in the NBA, so we will see when we see. We know that there's finan- financial incentive for you know for players, for teams to, to win this thing, so there's motivation that exists for them that doesn't exist, obviously, for fans that are going to be sitting there saying, load management and rest your guys and be healthy for the stretch, and, you know, that like winning at the end is when it matters, not in the middle of the year when teams like the Sacramento Kings might be raising a, an in-season tournament banner. I have no idea how this thing is going to play out, but what I will say is initial feeling, I don't care about this tournament at all. I wish it didn't exist. It, I'm I'm certainly not drawn to it. I have no, there's no part of me that feels it's to me. It's like the, it's like chasing the summer league title. Like there's, there's no, if if the Celtics were to win in Vegas, the summer league title or win the in-season tournament, this is not something that, that even remotely, like, I'm not going to go out and buy a hat, you know, championship, you know, like you won the in-season tournament sweatshirt. I just don't care. I, I understand why silver's doing it. I understand the 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 draw for him for the league for ratings boost if that ends up happening. You know, I, I was someone who was skeptical of of the play in tournament at the end of the season, and I I still don't honestly. It's not something like I I love and feel like it needs to exist. But there's no question it's been a success for the NBA. Uh, I maybe this will be too, but I, I don't know how you feel about it, Brian. It's just not it's not something that uh that that gets me all excited it's it's not something that that needs to happen in the middle of the year to me yeah and the celtics do have an easy bracket nets raptors magic and bulls although the magic do love to beat the celtics as we would learn last year like it's for some reason that's a bad matchup for the celtics but yeah i'm with you for the most part i, I don't think these games that aren't in vegas that we're going to be saying like part of it is like oh everybody knows that this friday night game goes to the in-season tournament i don't that doesn't register with me whatsoever i care about the championship at the end of the season that the celtics have now been chasing for the past couple of years i do think that okay let's see what this looks like in five to ten years right because when you start all this new these new things like this year i don't think it's going to be incredibly like everyone's going to be incredibly excited for right but the Vegas thing, maybe that's like a little twist on it that they're actually in Vegas, but I don't even think we're going to notice it until it gets to there. It's just going to be a regular Friday night game. I will say this, like the WNBA players seem to really like it. The Commissioner's Cup that they played for where I think it was Brianna Stewart of the Liberty said like this is their goal. I don't think we're going to have that in the NBA where it was a goal for their team to win the Commissioner's Cup, the in-season tournament. I don't think we're going to see that with the Celtics. Like that's definitely not their goal. Their goal's are bigger. And I do wonder too, like this whole idea of load management, what happens when teams are sitting guys out during this tournament? Like what's Adam Silver going to say about that? This is how precious your in-season tournament is. 
that Kawhi Leonard or Al Horford, like he's not playing because it could be, you know, the back-to-back, whatever it is. Like you have guys that aren't playing. It just tells you how little players are. And I, I get it. Like for some players, that money is significant. For other players, it's nothing. But the whole idea that the league is trying to sell, like, well, there's certain guys that don't make a lot of money, so the other guys are going to try to work harder to get them more. No, it's not going to happen. You think LeBron's like stressing out over the in-season tournament? Yeah, this isn't like Jalen Brown or Grant Williams trying to sign a certain contract to set up the next guy for the sake of the CBA. This is like this is a whole other world. And you know, you brought up one side of it with the load management. How about the other side that we can't foresee, but you expect it? Hopefully, not a Celtic, but like somebody's going to get hurt in this thing because it's just the way it goes. Like I'm not, you know, like someone's going to be. It's going to be a fluky thing or any random injury that any guy suffers. There's going to be for some team that is like going for it. There's going to be a serious injury to a key player. I guarantee it. That is going to take them out. If not for the rest of the year, for some significant stretch of time that impacts their seating or whatever it may be. And people are going to point to it and say, you know, see this. This is why you don't play in the FIBA World Cup. This is why you don't play in the NC. Like, who cares? This isn't important. Do we want to win? You know, we want to hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy. We don't care about whatever they're going to name this cup or whatever this trophy is going to be referred. It just doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, I, but I, I, the All-Star game. MVP never the was the same. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I. But but maybe maybe that's where I'm you know good point maybe that's where I'm totally off base and wrong about this because you know there there's a part of me that would like to say like being healthy for the stretch and chasing championships that's what it's all about but then you will have guys like just look at recent evidence Jalen Brown Kyrie Irving Kemba Walker name the list guys who have sat out games leading up to the All Star game to play in the All Star game and have come out of the All Star game and sat again. So, yeah, maybe these guys have different priorities than we, the fans or media, feel like they should have. Well, it's definitely, I mean, we, we, we you know, we don't make money uh, based on, you know, anything that happens on the NBA, unless you're betting. If you're gambling, then that's a different story. But, like, you know, we're, mm. Confid, don't shake your head like you actually make money when you gamble, okay? No, that's I'm cool. just shaking my head that I do gamble. There you go. All right. No, but it, it, we know it, it's a different investment. And, again, that's that, that Tatum quote where, like, you know, some kid that has my shoes and my jersey on a Monday night in Charlotte, like, paid a lot of money to see me play. Like, I'm going to go out and play. But I, he's one of the rare guys now that, that'll say something like that. He just, he understands sort of like where his status is at and, 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 and to his credit, like at least embraces it and, or at least talks about it this year. We'll see. Like I, I if Tatum didn't play it on my night in Charlotte, I'm not going to be really upset about it. You know what I'm saying? But you know, it's a lot of these guys, you know, it, it's the first time we're doing this. So it's going to be kind of a crapshoot. I think, I think, you know, I don't think people are going to be super upset about losing these games. I think it's just going to be like one of these things where all right, let's get this through, like let's get through this healthy and if we win we win if we don't we don't but like again the eyes of the prize boys we don't even get crazy here. Yeah, and I think in some sense like from a Celtics angle it's not as interesting for us because we've been accustomed to this team trying to compete for a championship. So for the Celtics during the regular season, I know every once in a while there's bad games, but most of their games have a storyline that comes out of it. Most of their games are entertaining. Like 
the storyline perspective, remember when they got killed by Oklahoma City last year? And we're like, what's wrong with this team? What's going on? And they'd lose a game to the Rockets. And we're saying, what's going on with that? But for a lot of these other teams, like up and coming teams across the league, maybe for their fan bases, it is more exciting where there's actually like, oh, reasons for these guys to try to win these games. And maybe from some of these teams, like the Kings, you guys mentioned, right? A, a team that was or took a huge step last year. It's a good team. They lost to the Warriors in the first round. This may be something that they look back at and say, hey, we built on this, and this helped us win a playoff series. I just think the Celtics are one of the rare teams where it really means nothing to them. Because out of all the teams in the league, like, and you look at the pressure to win a championship, they're right up there, right? I mean, the 76ers, that team's a mess right now with the whole Harden situation. That would be one of the other candidates. The Lakers Mm -hmm. have already won a championship with LeBron, even though it was in the bubble. Golden State, we know, has already won four championships. Milwaukee has won a championship with Giannis. Jokic has his ring. So really across the league, who has more pressure on them this year? Maybe the Suns. That would be the only other team, right? Because that group has just come together. Durant still hasn't won a championship without Steph Curry. So maybe there's pressure on that Suns team. But really the Celtics are the number one team in the league where you're saying there's pressure. Now you have a situation where you brought in two assistant coaches. So, hey, Joe, if it doesn't work out, if you're not doing a good job, we get two guys here that are capable of being a head coach. And not that I'm not saying the Celtics want that to happen. They yeah. clearly are invested in Joe. But you get my point here is there, there's a lot of pressure. Now that Jalen has signed the extension, it's time to get one here. Like the the time is now for the Celtics team to get one. So that was my long-winded answer of saying why I don't think it's interesting from a Celtics angle. That was, in short, here on Celtics Beat, and probably on behalf of the entire organization, we are in-season tournament snobs. We are we are above <laughs> this. Um, so you brought up the Joe Missoula thing, and this wasn't even really on my radar as a talking point, but let's get into it a little bit. I was one of those people that was very vocal on this show like go back listen to the tape it's it's there every week when people are saying you know is is joe's job on the line if if they fall short in x round or if they get upset by x team whatever as soon as they gave him the title without the interim tag and the extension i was firmly on the record that joe missoula would be back this year that there was almost nothing that could cost him his job because it's just a bad look. It's it's embarrassing. You take the you 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 make them the guy. They go on a little bit of a skid. Obviously, fell shorter in the playoffs. Not as short as they could have at points, but you know, didn't live up to the potential, the hype. We thought they were going to be back in the NBA Finals, if not win the damn thing. And you know, had to rally from down 0-3 to come back to even force a game seven. That was you know taken after going too long against the Sixers, going too long against the Hawks. They they were not the dominant team that we all hoped or expected they would be all of that being said while I do think bringing in a couple of assistant coaches maybe gives them an in-house option they didn't have before I still can't fathom what it would take for Joe Missoula to get canned this year I mean they would have to be I I just don't see it like I, I I don't even see a world where it exists I don't see how bad they could possibly be for Joe Missoula to not be here at this time, well, maybe not this time, but, you know, following the postseason next year, and then maybe they reassess if the team goes out in the first round and they win 50 games in the regular season. Maybe they say, all right, turns out Joe's not the guy. We'll eat the remainder of that money. But as far as an in-season move to Cassell or Lee, I I don't know. Do you see it differently? No, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, like, 
that will be a narrative. Like if the Celtics are playing poorly, it's like, oh, well, they hired Sam Cassell. They hired Charles Lee, who was a finalist for what, three different head coaching jobs this coaching cycle. So, and we heard it last year, like during the playoff run, there was real questions like, hey, should Joe really be back if they lose this series to Philly? And if they went down and they got swept by Miami, should you really bring Joe Missoula back or do you need more of a veteran coach? I think the big thing, though, just from the assistant coach angle in this is these guys are here and they knew Joe Missoula was the coach, right? They agreed to come coach this team with Joe Missoula when I do feel like last year it's a little awkward, right? Even going back to the playoffs, right, where in that Atlanta series you have – Ime Adoka getting introduced as the Rockets head coach. So naturally what we saw is guys on the Celtic staff join Ime. So just from a human nature standpoint, it's, I'm not saying these guys weren't all in, but it's just a weird situation where Joe came from the second row and leapfrogged a lot of guys that probably thought they had an opportunity to get the head coaching job over Joe. So I think it's just more of a stability thing. And just on Cassell, I think one of the things that Cassell can bring to the table, and I was having this conversation a couple of weeks ago. I forget who I was having this with. So I, if I, unfortunately, I can't give the person the credit because I forget who it was, but they made a really good point. So it is this person's point that I'm making is he coached Embiid in Philly, right? And it's a guy that likes the ball on the, the post a lot. And you start to think about that. Well, if you gave away Marcus Smart, you traded Marcus Smart, you bring in Kristaps Porzingis. You need to take advantage of what Kristaps Porzingis does well. He was top five in terms of all the efficiency stats in the post last year. Maybe Sam Cassell's a guy that can help out from an offensive perspective. We know he's a big personality as well, but I do think that's got to be part of the calculus now that both Porzingis and Cassell are here. How do we get easy opportunities for Kristaps? Yeah, I, I, um, I agree with that, but I definitely don't see, unless something goes catastrophic, a, a mid-season firing here. Like, it... it and I don't think it's going to be catastrophic because if it's bad, like it's probably injury related, right? Probably because like Porzingis never plays and, you know, uh, Malcolm's, Malcolm's never the same. And, yeah. and, you know, I can see it going poorly just because so many guys are getting injured. So, and so there's your built in excuse right there. I don't think this team, if they're fully healthy, is going to do anything less than 50 wins. So, you know, it would be a playoffs has to go like where he's yeah. matched by somebody, you know, to, to really fire Joe. I will say this though, like if I were Joe Missoula, I wouldn't feel comfortable with the two guys behind me in terms of like, I could lose those guys could take my job at any point, you know, like, you know, Charles Lee and Sam Cassell, but around a while. And the thing with Cassell that I'm really excited about is just his development with certain guards, you know, bringing, you know, JV Davis in a lot along at some point potentially would be really nice. Um, having him work with Derek White all the time, I think it's going to be a real plus. You know, maybe him and Jalen do a little work together. Um, I'm, I'm curious about how he develops that, but you know, this is a team. No, the, the, the beauty of it all is, is they're, they've been around each other for a long time. So they kind of know the continuity part of the Celtics thing is really important that it gets lost. So the discussion of teams and how teams are built is like, if you look at the end of the year, the teams that are left, it's the teams with the most continuity who know how to play together when, Stuff is not going well. They know what to do to get themselves out of it. Now, Boston obviously has a harder time with that than most other teams, as we've discussed on this show and various other outlets for the past couple of years. But at the same time, if you're going to bring in a whole new coaching staff and it's, it's helpful that you have a mostly, you know, intact roster from years previous. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, just real quickly on the coaching thing is think about last year's playoff run. Okay. So you have a, Game one against Miami. Peyton Pritchard's on the court when Jimmy Butler's on the court. That is just coaching malpractice, right? 
Jimmy Butler seeks out mismatches like the most we've seen since LeBron used to do it when they play the Warriors in the finals. That's what he's going to do. Like that can't happen. And you would expect that now that he has these veteran coaches with him, that somebody's going to say, Joe, you can't do this. Like somebody should have corrected that or Joe himself. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. You go back to the Philly series and you say, wait, hold on. Why isn't Rob starting? Because the way you can play Rob is when PJ Tucker's on the court. PJ Tucker starts for Philly so he can roam off PJ Tucker. When Rob was coming into those games, they were instantly putting George Niang in there. So get out in front of that. Those are things that if Ime was coaching the team, and I'm I'm not comparing the two guys, Joe was just put into the fire and all this. I'm just saying like those type of things, and people had issues with Ime in the postseason two years ago as well. But my point is, these are things that cannot happen next playoff run, or the Celtics are going to look at it and say, we have the Sam Cassell guy, we have the Charles Lee guy, Joe, this is another postseason where you didn't coach particularly well and it justifies us moving to somebody else that's my point that just the fact that you now have in-house candidates to take over if something happened next playoff run i will say i'm uh, much as i have I, I won't do it now because i have harped too many times on this show since the marcus smart trade about how at least with him gone i'm happy that the marcus smart built-in excuse is gone but i shouldn't even say built-in because it doesn't come from the celtics it's it's all the all the people that when things go south they the the people who don't like marcus blame it on marcus like marcus taking shots at the end of the game marcus would you know foolish fouls or flops or turn up whatever like the marcus smart thing is gone and so they're going to thrive or fail whatever he will have nothing to do with it i am equally happy that the how many times last year did we hear well, Joe just like he he really got thrown into the fire. The like that's gone. You, you've you got a full year, you got a yeah. full offseason, you're on it. Like the 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 Joe Missoula sort of he'd never done this before narrative that was very valid at the time. Gone. You know, this is a fresh start in that in that respect. This is now Joe Missoula, experienced NBA head coach that we are going into this new year. So you know, training wheels are off, and I, I think he would appreciate that. I certainly appreciate that, and it's just another thing that we can remove from the conversation. How will they do in terms of an over-under of 54 and a half wins? Let's discuss that. But first, as good a segue as any, Ev, to our, our wonderful gambling sponsor here. Very good. Let's talk about the over-under of 54 and a half, guys. So I mentioned earlier in the show I would take the under. If I, It's probably a stay-away line anyway, but if I was to bet it, I would take the under. And I want to be very clear in saying that that's not because I believe the Celtics are going to be a bad team or they're going to underachieve. They're going to fall short in the playoffs. They can't win a title, any of that. I would simply go under, meaning they're going to win somewhere in the 50 to 54 range. I still don't see sub 50 happening, but 50 in the 54 range because I just think they're going to be uber conscious of who they are and what they are. And they're not going to, force it they're not going to care about their seed they're not going to chase number one they're not going to you know it's home court isn't going to be an end-all be-all they are going to look at their personnel and say you know Chris Porzingis needs to be managed we haven't even gotten into the plantar fasciitis yet we will he needs to be managed Al Horford needs to be managed for his age Malcolm Brogdon coming off the injury needs to be managed uh, Rob Williams needs to be managed like there there's and, and that doesn't mean specifically load management. Maybe it, it there's a percentage of games that guys miss and like Porzingis get the duck boats ready if he even plays in 60 games. But we're we're talking about, you know, it's it's more 
minutes being managed when I say that. And and I think you need to be conscious, not conservative, but conscious of the Jays' minutes as well. So this team coming in sub-55 wins is super realistic to me, and I would be more inclined, Barrett, to go in that direction than I would be to say they're going to win 55-plus. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a good line. That's why they have casinos in Vegas. I would say I would go over. I just think that this team is going to be way better offensively, even though they had one of the best offenses in the league. I think they're going to score easier, right? Because of the fact that, and I know like the whole thing with Porzingis, but I just think about the matchups you can use. Like if it was me and I look at what I'm doing, if I'm Missoula, I would basically have, and I chatted with Michael Pina about this a couple of weeks ago. I would have Jalen and Porzingis on the court together because we know that Jalen has issues at times with his ball handling. Porzingis is a floor spacer. He can be a role man as well. It just makes the read so much easier for Jalen when he's handling the ball. So I would have those two guys on the court together. And then I would have Tatum playing the minutes with Rob, where we know Tatum and Rob, I mean, look at the impact metrics with those two guys on the court together the past couple of years. So I think when you're talking about the non-Tatum minutes that have been an issue over the past couple of years, this should be your best chance to actually have those be good. And you look at Porzingis last year, he was through the roof in the impact metrics, and it's not like he had a lot of good teammates when he was playing with the Washington Wizards, right? So I just think that from, and this is a situation that we ask questions about during the playoffs for the past years. What are they doing with Tatum is off the court? I think that Joe Mazzulla and that coaching staff should be able to come up with lineups that really, you can play actually play well when Tatum's off the court. And I actually think you can even keep Derek White on the court with Jalen and Porzingis as well, because what we've seen with Tatum, it really doesn't matter who plays with him. Like, he's always, when he's on the court, they're always going to have a good offensive rating. If you have Rob out there with him, and I'd like him to play more minutes with Pritchard too this season, I it's weird. Like, two years ago, their numbers with Pritchard on the court, they actually played at a slower pace, which I thought was really weird. But his most used lineups, he had... Al Horford in there in the second most used lineups. He had Daniel Tyson there. Like Pritchard, one of the things I, when I watch him, I'm like, it doesn't match up with the numbers because he's always pushing the basketball, right? So I think with Pritchard out there too, you can play at a faster pace. So that's why I'd go over just because I think that they're going to get, A, they're going to get back to their defensive identity, even though smart is out of the equation. That certainly needs to be emphasized more. Despite them being number two in the league, we saw in the playoffs, they certainly did not play like the number two defense in the league. But the other portion of it, I think offensively, they are more talented from a personnel perspective, even if they have less capable rotation players, they have more offensive firepower. Yeah, the the lack of... Think about this, though. The lack of talent in that conference. like. Mm. A lot of talent moved to the other conference. Like, what teams really scared? Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's schedule losses, and what? And you're not going to win them all. I get that. Well, you're also not only playing the East. I mean, you are seeing That's the West. That's true, but you're playing the majority of your games against your conference, right? You're playing the majority of your games against a division that, I mean, look, the Knicks are the Knicks gave the Celtics all they could handle last year. That's mm-hmm. not saying that they're the, the Knicks are a bad opponent, but the, the Knicks and the Celtics, I think, are in two different tiers, right? The Nets are kind of a wild card in here. Like, I like a lot of the guys on their team, but does it make a lot of sense? I mean, the Raptors are, come on. Like, their own division's not great. If you go to the rest of the conference, it's not tremendous. Like, they're going to get a lot of easy wins potentially if they just stay healthy. Never mind that. Look at what about the last year makes you think Miami's going to go crazy for the number one seed this year? Not going to happen. Look at 
the Bucks. Yeah, they could be tougher though. Just I mean, because the whole Lillard thing's out there. But I'm with yeah. you for the most part. I agree with what you're saying. The, the Bucks is as much as we care about the Celtics' health problems, which is definitely something they should worry about. The Bucks have also health problems. Like Brooke Lopez is super old. Chris Middleton hasn't looked the same since that injury. I mean, I like Drew Holiday, but a lot of times Drew Holiday goes for like five for seventeen from the floor, like. I don't think it's like a super tough conference for Boston to rack up wins in. I think the knowing the injury thing, yeah, sure, they're going to manage guys down the stretch, but I still think the over is possible, pending some injury luck. And, and of course, I, it's possible. I I just don't. You know, it's the one thing I didn't say before, but implied. I don't think that they're definitely to to Brian's point. They are absolutely more top heavy than they were last year. There is more talent you know, in the upper echelon of this team, I, I'm concerned they're not as deep as they were last year for when injuries do happen and they're going to happen. Yeah. The one thing that they do benefit from is two of their best three players, I guess two of their best four players are never hurt and knock on wood that that doesn't happen. But Tatum, I'd say three. Yeah. Well, you say who you put else in there, Jalen, Jalen, White, Tatum. Yeah, I was going to say White and Tatum. Like, Jalen's had his issues, but you're right. For the most part, he stays healthy. But Tatum, we mentioned earlier the Charlotte thing. Like, he he plays in every game. And Derek White literally plays in every game. He played in 82 games last season. He legitimately plays in every game. So, yeah, when you have those two guys that are going to play most of the games, Derek White, I'm sure, is going to want to do it again where he plays every game next season. I think it's just really beneficial. And the other thing I would say, too, is one of the things last year that – they went to not as much as I would have liked them to to go to. And part of that is because Marcus Smart was on the team. And this is not me taking a shot at Marcus. But the numbers with Derek White at the point guard position last season, when he actually played point guard via cleaning the glass, 21% of his minutes, only 21%. So about a fifth of his minutes, the Celtics in, in those minutes, 121.9 offensive rating, 93rd percentile, 106.2 defensive rating, 96th percentile, plus 15.7 net rating, 99th percentile. Because he's the smallest guy in the court, but he's also an all-NBA defender. You have these big wings around him. You can play double big. So just getting more Derek White minutes in terms of at the point guard position and to something we mentioned earlier with Marcus Smart, everybody put the blame on him. The one thing I will say is, Derek White, I mean, we've had these conversations. He should have got more fourth quarter minutes. There's no reason that... You had both Marcus Smart and Brogdon average more fourth quarter minutes than Derek White last season. He was unequivocally the Celtics' third best player. You could make an argument from an impact metric standpoint. He was their second best player. He should have been on the court in the fourth quarter. So I think having that lineup out there with White and with Tatum and with Brown at the end of these games, they're going to be much better closing out games. And I know their record was fine in clutch games last season, but they're going to be better when it comes to execution late in games. I'll push back a little bit on the uh, Jalen Brown health thing now that I've actually looked at the numbers. So uh, he has missed at least 13 games, anywhere between 13 and 23 games each of the last four years. Uh, he has topped out at 67 games. I, I know 67 is still majority, but like, you know, if like we celebrate when a guy like this plays that, that many games. That's healthy in this day and age, Kaufman, for me personally. like Keep them away from plants. Yeah, right. That's that's <laughs> our main thing here. But it's not like he's a Kawhi Leonard situation where you're like, no, 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 he's he's not this. Yeah, when when you think injury risks on this team, there's a reason I didn't mention him when I you know listed off all those other guys that you need to manage. Like Brown, you know, 
barring some freak thing that costs him a few games here, a few games there. He should be on the court. I generally agree. So Porzingis, you know, I've I've alluded to this a couple of times. The news has come out that obviously he's missing the feeble World Cup. He's uh, dealing with the plantar fasciitis that, what, three to four weeks or something like that was the timeline. But bottom line, they said he should be ready for the start of camp. Great. I just wonder to what degree this is going to be like the Celtics to use the word again, managed to what degree the Celtics are going to have to manage him and his workload more so than we already thought. We already knew that, you know, like you're lucky if he plays more than 60 games, you know, it was, again, it was a celebration when he played 65 or whatever for the wizards last year. And granted he could have played more. They sat him at the end of the year, but this is not a guy who is typically you're, you're talking it like we're having the same kind of conversation that we had when they got Brogdon last year. This is someone who, you know, is, is going to miss roughly a quarter of the games, but is it that much more alarming now that you know about this foot issue that is going to linger? This isn't something that, that heals and goes away when you're an NBA player. Like this isn't something he's going to, you know, is, is going to be fully better for him until after he's retired. So how problematic for lack of a better word, Barrett, do you think this is going to be for the next few years here? Because he's signed on. They've committed. Yeah, it's concerning. It's just the sense that it's a foot and it's a big man. But at least it's not something severe. It's plantar fasciitis, which basically you got to rest. I mean, I think you got to roll your foot on like you put like a water bottle in the freezer and then roll your foot on it to, to try to help with it in terms of the pain. I hope this is not something that lingers into the season. But the thing that I will say is I feel like it's a good thing that they discover this now. And he's not playing in the FIBA tournament, like, right? Like, because then if he comes back, if he plays the FIBA tournament, then it's like, oh, because we heard about the foot injury a couple of weeks ago. It's like, oh, he played on it and he had plantar fasciitis. I'm glad that he's out of the FIBA tournament, right? So, because the goal here is for him to come here and win a championship. That's the goal. That's why Kristaps Porzingis is here. That's why he wants to be here. That's why he opted into the contract because he could have become a free agent. So naturally, we're going to be somewhat concerned about this, but... I'm holding out hope that they can, they have done, I give them credit with this. Like if you look at Al Horford, like he's played too many minutes over the past few years, but last year he didn't play in back-to-backs, right? Like that type of situation. I think they can come up with a good plan in terms of how many minutes to play. And the other evidence of that is Brogdon last year, right? Brogdon last year played self of 30 minutes per game and he was pretty much healthy the whole season until the playoffs, but that was a freak injury, right? That wasn't a lower extremity thing. Like Brogdon in the past has dealt with calf issues. He's dealt with foot issues. The the arm thing, that's just freaky, right? That has nothing to do with him playing too many minutes. So I think they did it. They had an injury prone player in Brogdon and they decided, hey, we're bringing him off the bench. Obviously a different situation than Porzingis, who's not coming off the bench, but they came up with a plan to keep him healthy for the postseason run. And I know Brogdon, he gets a lot of crap for some of the stuff, smoking layups, et cetera. But Brogdon, to the point where he suffered that injury, he had the best plus minus on the Celtics in the playoffs. Like they were actually playing well with Brogdon on the court. And I do attribute that to the coaching staff having him fresh. If he played north of 30 minutes per game, maybe he wasn't. So based on the evidence we have with Brogdon, them keeping Brogdon healthy, I think they can come up with a similar plan as it pertains to Porzingis because we just saw them do it this past season. Disconcerting, you know, Kaufman. When this came out, I think I texted you immediately. Some it's something around. We should probably have Doctor P back on the show to just kind of throw mm-hmm. some some water on this a little bit because when Kyrie had his knee issues, you know, we were pretty quick to, you know, say like, look, this could be a really 
big problem for him going forward in his career. Like this is a degenerative issue. He has arthritis in his knee. It's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse over time. It's going to be about management, managing the pain and so on and so forth. So we got yelled at for that, I think quite a bit back then. Um, but this is, it's an injury that, that takes management. You know, it's something that you're going to have to be mindful of. And it's something that Porzingis is going to have to be honest about with the training staff that like, Hey, you know, I'm not feeling great tonight. I can't go tonight. You know, let's take a day off and let's see, let's, let's look at this tomorrow. Like it's, it's not going to go away. You know, it, LeBron played with plantar fasciitis the entire playoffs, didn't he? I think, didn't he have some injury? Maybe. I think LeBron played with two broken arms and a broken leg, according to him. <laughs> I think he played with something. and they. they I'm going to Google it. He definitely had like a foot injury, though. You're right. He definitely had something going on with his foot. I'm trying to compare Porzingis to the, the Terminator robot that is freaking LeBron James because he's just he's just an unbelievably dur- like a, uh, this is Well, it's a story from February 26th of 2023. Appeared to be a he had a partial tear of the plantar fascia, according to the pro basketball docs. I don't know what that means. I'm not gonna lie. So it just sounds something similar. <laughs> Basically saying, you know, LeBron played on it. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not expecting Porzingis to be LeBron, but I'm also not expecting Porzingis to carry the workload that LeBron had to carry late in the season and in the playoffs. So it's something that can be played with, played on. It's just going to be about trying to manage that pain to the playoffs. And at that point, like, you know, the wheels, training wheels come off and it's, it's go time. But, you know, yeah, as, as we've all kind of danced around, this is not the most fun thing you want to hear about a big man, seven foot two, who already kind of looks a little like a walking injury waiting to happen. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I just have so many vivid memories of, of Marcus Smart easily boxing him out because he's just so, uh, light on the lower half that I don't know it just feels like potentially something brewing there but you know you just got to ride it out and see how it goes yeah it's unfortunate but I'm just like and I know right now we're talking about the injury I'm so excited to see him like in this Celtics offense where it's like it, they've never had a player like this right and obviously the front office and maybe some of the coaching staff as well thought okay we're sick and tired of all these playoff runs where our offense goes stale and now we have something else where it's like hey you know what our threes aren't falling or they're cutting off Tatum they're cutting off Jalen Brown's driving lanes let's dump it into the guy that's seven foot three because he's pretty good at scoring near the basket and all the different lineup constructions they can come up with he's a pick and pop guy that can also play in the post and I'm fascinated to see to me, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, I would be start. I would have Al coming off the bench, and I would be starting Rob and Porzingis together, and just thinking about what that defense could look like. Because Porzingis is an excellent shot blocker, and he actually held up really well defensively last year. And they really never got to the double bigs much last year. Remember, it's like when Rob came back, he was coming off the bench, and that double big lineup was so good for them two years ago, and just all the different sort of mix and matching you can do with Porzingis. I'm just excited to watch it because. It's totally different from what we've seen the past couple of years and how they integrate them. I think it's going to be fascinating. I agree. I'm on board. I, you know, I, I look at, at this point in time, whether you like the trade or you didn't like the trade, or you prefer it was Brockton versus Marcus, like none of that. And we've spent enough time talking about it, me especially. N- none of it matters now. What matters now is this is obviously the roster, barring any future moves that send somebody else out and, and bring in another, you know, role player type guy. But there, there's nobody else truly impactful that is coming in and joining this team and no doubt Porzingis especially when healthy I you know I I don't know I I don't know that I am as 
excited or, or enthusiastic about the defensive side of his game as you are, but the offensive side, like he's a weapon, no question. We've seen it for years, and uh, I'm I'm eager to see what it looks like aside uh, alongside Tatum and Brown. No doubt about it. They have different things that they can do now. They don't have to be as reliant on the three. Will they be? I'm sure. But at least to your point, if the threes aren't falling, and I'm just thinking regular season, I'm not even thinking beyond that. I'm not even thinking about the in-season tournament. When uh, <laughs> when the threes are not falling, they will have other approaches. And I am, you know, uh, to, to channel my Bob Ryan, old man shakes fist to cloud kind of mentality that this is not the NBA I grew up with. Uh, and, and I'm like, I don't know. I think you need to be right around 40 if, if there's any part of you that still feels that way. And that's where I'm at. Uh, I would like to see them, you know, be more on the block, be more on the post. I, I, I don't mind the mid range too. In fact, I think it's a strength for some of these guys. Jalen Brown on that list. So I'd like to see more of that stuff. And Porzingis can provide you with a lot of it. No question. Yeah. Him and Tatum are going to make just wonderful offensive magic together. I just can't wait for that pick and pop combo because you're, you're dead either way. So it's going to be fantastic. Are there any other, before we kind of wrap this thing up, are there, I don't know, is, is there anything else like the schedule's out, injury news is out, anything else that you are waiting on curious about as we approach the start of training camp and exhibition games and all of that, like the, you know, the remaining roster spots and will Blake Griffin be back or somebody like that, uh, or, you know, someone who's most people have never heard of that potentially they signed to a, you know, a, a back end of the roster deal is, is any of that stuff kind of on your radar? Or are you at this point, much like many people, I'm sure just kind of, okay, now we're waiting. Let's get there. Yeah. The one thing I'm excited about is to see Pritchard again, because I thought that Pritchard's first two years in the NBA were pretty good. Right. And I know I mentioned earlier the whole situation with Jimmy Butler, that wasn't his fault. That was the coach's fault, but his yeah. first two years in the league, he's North of 40% from three that tailed off last year. I think a lot of that has to do was he didn't know when he's playing. Like it's tough to get in a rhythm when you play significantly less games than you did the prior season. I think Pritchard is a good player. I'm not saying he's going to make an all-star team down the road or anything along those lines. I think it's good that he was playing for the select team. And I think that he is going to be their backup point guard. And I think that he could have a really good season. And it's interesting because this is a guy where I felt bad for him last year when he de- when I don't want to say he demanded a trade, but he asked for a trade. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said that. But I totally can understand where he's coming from because if you look across the league, basically almost every other team in the league, Pritchard would have been getting significant minutes for. And unfortunately, you were in a situation, if you're Pritchard, where you had Smart, you had Brogdon, you had Derek White and Jalen Brown, of course, we know plays the two at times as well. So you were stuck behind those guys. So I really want to see what Pritchard does, where you would think that how many minutes a game do you think he plays? 25? Yeah, I do. Like I somewhere in that anyway. range, I right? hope that's the reality. I mean, we, you and I have talked about this before on, on your show. I think that Peyton Pritchard in the tw- – I. I 20 to 25 for sure. You know, I like I, I hesitated because I was about to say 25 to 30. That feels a bit much, you know, when when you still have, you know, depending on how much Brogdon plays, and I'm talking about game availability, uh, obviously, you know, Derek White's going to see a good workload. We don't know Banton, uh, how much he is going to play. So I, I, 
I think 25-ish is a very reasonable number from Pritchard. Far and away would be his career high, and I want to see it. Absolutely. Well, isn't it crazy, too? Like, he went from, hey, basically, you're going to be out of the rotation most games last year, to, hey, man, actually, we got a big job for you this year. Like, now that Marcus Smart is gone, like, you have to do a lot more. And who knows with the Brogdon situation based on his health, but... It's kind of crazy to think about a player from one year to the next on a team that basically has the same aspirations, right? They're a championship-level team. Like, usually this happens when a guy goes to a different team. Like, Grant's going to have a bigger role with Dallas. It usually yeah. doesn't happen. A guy, go like, seesawing like this. Like, second year played a lot of minutes. Third year didn't. Fourth year, he's going to play a ton of minutes. It's just weird how it's happened. Well, and, you know... It's it's probably not often, too, that a guy has to go through so many coaches and regimes and yeah. try and kind of reprove himself every time. Like I think Brad Stevens, and obviously he was one of the people involved in drafting him, but I think Brad really liked Peyton, and we saw some of that reflected in his playing time back when Brad was still coaching. And then, uh, honestly, I thought that he was going to have a more consistent role with Ime, uh, not only because of his strengths, but just, I don't know, Ime's a, a sucker for Portland guys. And, and he's, you know, he's from Oregon. Uh, I thought that, that, uh, that was gonna, I don't know, earn Pritchard something. And, uh, but when he finally, second half of the year, sort of got out of the doghouse or earned Ime's trust or whatever the, the proper terminology, when he played, he played well. And I hoped that would carry over to Missoula. Missoula was here. He was on the staff. And it just, it didn't, you know, it, it wasn't until guys went down It basically Pritchard continues to find himself in this position where he doesn't play until it's out of necessity. Like there, there, we don't have guys. We have to put you out there. And obviously he wanted out, as you said, he was never a distraction about it, but he did want just to go somewhere and get an opportunity. Who could blame him? They cleared out a guard. May not be the one people wanted. I certainly would have preferred Brogdon was is a Clipper now versus Smart being a Grizzly. But they cleared out a guard and it opened up it opens an opp- opportunity for for Pritchard to play more and have an impactful role, a regular role. And I I hope that doesn't somehow go sideways on him because if he thought he was unhappy before, imagine how he would feel now when when it seems like there is such a clear lane for him to have that role. Yeah, I'm pumped for the Peyton Pritchard resurgence. I, I like him a Let's lot. Let's go. I am. I'm. And Hauser too. Give Hauser some time. I'm gonna play like this. Tell no, me you couldn't use Sam Hauser in the playoffs last year. No, I mean we we spent the whole year talking about how if only you had a guy like Hauser in the playoffs, and then he's available to you. You're not making threes. You need a shooter, and he doesn't play. So. Uh, you know, questionable coaching decisions at points to get themselves ready for that point. So the guys are ready and feeling in rhythm as well. But that's, that's a whole other thing that I, I hope that these two guys, these two in particular, Pritchard and Hauser see some consistent minutes this year. Yeah, I'll jump on that. All right, good. Good. I'm glad we got there. All right. Uh, let's call it. This is good. We, we covered a lot of ground on this one. So, uh, be with us. Obviously we're next month at this point, training camp, preseason action. We are just a shade over two months away from the tip of the regular season, uh, beginning. So it's, it's great. We're, we're on the way, folks. Basketball is coming. Football is basically here. Summer is winding down. Kids are going back to school. We're getting into a, a, a rhythm and a routine all over again. 
and uh, glad to have all of you here with us. If you listen to this podcast, we greatly appreciate it. Rate, review, subscribe. You can find us on uh, on on Apple, on everywhere, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, you name it. And obviously, uh, check out the Ringer podcast uh, that that uh, our guy Brian Barrett right here does off the pike. And uh, thanks for being with us, buddy. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. For Valenti, for Barrett, I'm Kaufman. We'll talk to you again next time.